Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, I'd ask that you'd stand for the reading of the Word of God this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to be in your house, to study your word and to learn more about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, convict our hearts of sin, draw us closer to yourself because of this time together, Lord, and give me the words I need to say today. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us, and we look forward to what you're going to do, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now, Paul the Apostle, he is writing here to the church at Corinth. He's addressing them about some seriously horrible stuff. If you've ever read the book of 1 Corinthians, you know this church was messed up. They had some serious problems. But at the outset of his letter, before he really dives in and diagnoses all of their problems, he determines and he makes it abundantly clear what the undertone of his message was going to be. In 1 Corinthians 2, he says this, for I am determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. It was the gospel that was going to be the undertone of everything that Paul addressed them about. He spends an entire letter essentially chastising them, reproving them, exhorting these Corinthian believers in the mess that they had found themselves in. As we come to our text, the first, the chap, three chapters before, chapters 12 through 14, he devotes his attention to the church, to the gifts of the church, and he's called the Corinthians at the end of chapter 14 to let their gatherings be done decently and in order. But now, here at chapter number 15, he says, Moreover, brethren, above all else, above everything that we've just said, moreover, brethren, or as we could say it today, now listen, brothers and sisters, listen up. After everything he said, this is where he wants to land the plane, so to speak. And he lands the plane in the same place that he took off in chapter number one, and that is the gospel. You see, the gospel is the central truth of the Christian life. The gospel in all of its glory and splendor sits at the very center of everything that the Christian life is. My question for us today is, do you know what the gospel is? Do you know what the gospel is? And if you could define the gospel, how would you define it? And to that point, how does the gospel impact you and me every single day of our lives? What is so glorious? about the glorious gospel? Well, I'm glad that you asked. That's what we're going to take the rest of our time to do this morning is to learn about this glorious gospel from this text and examine three central proponents to the gospel. Number one, the glorious gospel, we'll see the purpose of the gospel. Look back with me in verse number one. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Now, when Paul says that he declared unto them the gospel, He's saying that he is making known unto them the gospel. This is a Greek word that means to know. The root of it means to know. So he's telling them he's 
making known unto them the gospel or that he's recalling it to their minds. In other words, he's saying, brothers and sisters, remember the gospel that I preached to you. But once again, what is the gospel? Now we hear this term all the time, right? We hear it in church. We hear about gospel music and, and we hear about gospel preaching and we go uh, out soul winning and share the gospel. But what is the gospel? What is the overarching purpose of the gospel? Well, the word gospel is the Greek word euangelion, in the, and it means good news. So very simply, the gospel is good news. And it's not good advice, it's good news. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, and I love it. He says, advice is counsel about something to do, and it hasn't happened yet, but you can do it. News is a report about something that has happened. You can't do anything about it. It's been done for you, and all you can do is respond to it. So when Paul says he declared unto them the gospel when he preached to them, he was saying he was making the good news known to them as essentially a good news carrier, uh, or as Keller would say, a good newser. Louis Jones illustrates it this way. I love this illustration. He says, imagine that a king goes into battle to defend his kingdom against an invading army. If he wins the battle, what will he do? He'll send messengers back to his people with the good news of his victory, right? These messengers would announce, the enemy's been defeated. The battle is won. Go enjoy the peace that the king has obtained for you. But what if the invading army breaks through the king's defenses? Well, then the king wouldn't send back messengers with good news. Instead, he'd send a message of advice, military advice saying, arm yourselves, reinforce the ramparts, get ready to fight for your lives. And this is this is the difference between the two messages. One is a call to action based upon fear, the fear of death, the fear of defeat. The other is the message of good news. It simply announces what has happened. And this is the primary difference between the gospel and all other religions in the world. All other religion states take my advice. If you live right, if you give money to the church, if you feed the poor, if you care for the outcast, you'll earn your salvation. But the gospel says the battle is over. The war is won. Sin has already been defeated. You could never defeat sin yourself. Jesus did it for you. His life, death, burial, and resurrection secured the forgiveness of sin and eternal life for all who will believe in him. The difference between all other religions and the gospel is do versus done. The difference is good advice to work hard to earn salvation or believing that Jesus already won the victory over sin and death for you. So the purpose of the gospel is the proclamation of good news. And this good news, the gospel, is the power of the Almighty God. Now that's all very important to know as we move forward. The purpose of the gospel is very simply good news. But this good news, number two, is, the, is powerful, the power of the gospel. Look back in verse number one. At the end, he says, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now, Romans 1.16 would tell us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is the very power of God. So if I can ask this, what power does the gospel possess? What does the gospel do to us? If I can say it that way. Well, first, the gospel saves us. Look back there in verse number one. It says, which also ye have received. He says that they heard the gospel that he preached to them and they received it. This is the reality of the gospel. Ephesians tells us that it's 
for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Titus tells us that it is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. The gospel is not something you can earn. It's something you receive by grace through faith. This is the difference, once again, between religion and the gospel. Religion says work for it. The gospel says receive it. All religion is active. Do, 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 do. The gospel is passive. It has been done to you and for you. The gospel saves us. But continuing on, the gospel is our standing. Look there back in verse number one. It says, and wherein ye stand. Now, bear with me. We're going to get into some Greek, like we're going into Greek class now, okay? But this is all very important for the understanding of the text. The verb translated stand, it's perfect active. What's that mean? It means that the action of standing has been completed in the past, and it does not need to be repeated. In other words, when you received the gospel, you received a new standing before Christ, and that is something that cannot be shaken, and it cannot be taken away. It was completed for you. You did nothing to make yourself stand, and it doesn't ever have to be done again. It means that your standing is complete. It's total. You can't lose it. You can't change it. And you can't undo it. It's secure. It's settled. Praise God for that. So where do you now stand? He says, and wherein ye stand. Words are important. Wherein. What is this wherein we stand? The gospel. It is now in the good news of the gospel that we stand. It doesn't just save you. It's in it that you persist and continue. So before God, you stand in the truth of the gospel of his dear son, and there is nothing that can change that. Hallelujah. Guess what? You can go out of here and kick your dog, and that doesn't affect your standing before God. Don't kick your dog. You could have come to church this morning and been frustrated and upset, but it doesn't impact your standing before God. That's been taken care of at the cross by Jesus Christ. But finally, the gospel also sanctifies us. Look in verse number two. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now we're going back to Greek class, okay? The verb translated ye are saved is present passive indicative. Now this is highly important. It means that in the present time, the action of saved is being done to the subject ye. In other words, right now, today, you are being saved. Now everyone goes, <gasps> what? Let me explain. It could be confusing, but we have to take like a 30,000 view of salvation in order to understand. Often when we use the word saved, we're speaking to our justification, to the moment when we are declared righteous before God. The Bible says that we have been justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 5 says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Before God, when you trusted Christ as your savior, that very moment you were declared righteous before God. You've been justified. Thank God for our justification through Jesus Christ. But the Bible also uses the word salvation in other ways, uh, in particular to refer to our future salvation. We call this our glorification. Romans 13 says this, in that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, 
For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. How is that possible? I thought the salvation was once and for all and final. It is, but you will soon be saved one day forever in eternity, delivered from sin uh, and the presence of sin. First Peter says, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Peter is saying the same thing. One day you will receive your salvation, not your justification, that's done, but your glorification, the one day when your body will be made whole and right before God in all of eternity. But there's this gap between our justification and our glorification, and we call it sanctification, or our being made like Christ. Someone put it this way, justification is being saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification is being saved from the power of sin. And glorification is being saved from the presence of sin. Salvation is this overarching theme that covers your entire life from the moment you trust Jesus Christ until the moment you get home. You're saved from the penalty of sin. You're being saved from the power of sin. And one day you'll forever be saved from the presence of sin. Amen. What about our sanctification though? How do we become more like Christ? This is like the ultimate question, right? This is what we ask all throughout our Christian existence. How do I become more like Jesus? Well, the verse tells us. Look what it says again. By which also ye are saved. What is this which he is talking about here? The gospel. You're being saved or sanctified by the gospel. He even says, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. What did he preach to them? The gospel. So how do we grow in our sanctification? Through dwelling in the gospel. Friend, it's the gospel all the way home. It's the, from the gospel from the moment you're saved till you see Christ. It's the gospel all the way home. And it's because of this, you never outgrow the gospel. You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and think to yourself, well, uh, tomorrow morning and think to yourself, well, I don't need gospel grace today. <laughs> if you do, I would love, I, my, my office is open tomorrow. Please come by. I want the secret. I want to know. No, you're always going to need the gospel because you're going to sin. You're going to fail. You're going to want to default back to works righteousness. But the gospel shouts into our lives, it is finished. The work is done. You live from God's acceptance, not for it. So friend, wake up every day and make a beeline to the gospel. Rehearse every day the amazingness, if that's a word, of your salvation. Because friend, it is truly amazing. And don't get over it. Stay in it, dwell in it, live in it, get saturated by it. The gospel is powerful. It transforms our lives, but the gospel is only powerful because number three, of the person of the gospel. Look at verse number three. The Bible says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. What makes the gospel good news? What makes the gospel powerful? If the gospel is so amazing and so good, how can it be so amazing and so good? Look back at verse three. He says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he, Christ, was buried, and that he, Christ, 
rose again the third day according to the scriptures. What makes the gospel good news? Jesus. What makes the gospel powerful? Jesus. You see, the gospel can only be good news and the gospel can only be powerful if the source and the subject of the news is both good and powerful. And Jesus Christ, the only son of God forever existing from eternity past, friend, he is both good and powerful. So how do we know that he's good? Look back at verse three. It says that how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. If you ever wondered if God is good and if Jesus is good, you have to look no further than the cross of Christ. The Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Probably my favorite verse in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ in his perfect holiness and his sinless life lived the life we could never live and died the death we deserve to die. A demonstration of the true goodness and love of God. The Bible says that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How is the news of the gospel good? Because Jesus Christ died in our place. The gospel can never not be good news because of that. But how is the gospel powerful? Look in verse four. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ died in our place. He was buried. Isaiah 53 says, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yes, he died. He was buried. But three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. Hosea 6 says, after two days will he revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. For as uh, Jesus said, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus told the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. The gospel is powerful because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No resurrection, no gospel power, but Jesus is alive. So the gospel is powerful. It's so true. The gospel is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is the gospel. They cannot be separated. You cannot have one without the other. There is no good news. There is no gospel apart from Jesus Christ. So let's carry the illustration on from earlier. The gospel is the declaration of King Jesus. He has gone into battle against sin and death and the devil and soundly defeated them in his death. And then of his own power, he was resurrected to life. And now the good news of the gospel shouts, come all you weary and heavy laden unto King Jesus and he will give you rest. The message of the gospel cries, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. The good news is loudly and authoritatively declared, King Jesus has won. Now live in the peace secured by his victory. So for the sinner, there is now the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's why you need the gospel. You can't save yourself. You can't get yourself eternal life. 
You may work hard, you may give to the church, you may go to church, you may feed the poor, you may live just right, but apart from Jesus Christ, you are doomed in your sin and you're destined for hell. But because of the good news of the gospel, you can have all your sins forgiven and have eternal life. And it is in the goodness of the gospel that we come to that place. Paul told the Romans that it was the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. What does that mean? It means that it is the very goodness of God that leads us to see we can't save ourselves, that our sin has separated us from God and that we need a savior. The goodness of God leads us to change our mind, to turn from our sin into Christ. And friend, when you respond to the gospel call, he will save you. But the same is true for the saint. Guess what? You still can't save yourself. We get this mentality that like, I've been a Christian for so many years, I got this. No, you don't got this. No, yet you, you desperately need the gospel. If you grow, outgrow the gospel, you stop growing. You need the gospel every day because you can't live the Christian life. Seriously, you can't do it. If you've ever sat there and been so frustrated about your Christian life, why is there no growth? I can almost guarantee you, you're probably not running to the gospel. The good news of the gospel reminds us that we're saved by grace, through faith, not of works. That every aspect of the Christian life is to be marked by done, not do. And when there are things in the Christian life we must do, we do them powered by the done of the gospel. Friend, that's liberating. That's game changing. You need that good news on Monday morning when three cups of coffee ain't gonna do it. You never outgrow the good news of the gospel. When we realize that the gospel is Jesus Christ, there is nothing in this life that we could possibly face that the gospel is not the answer for. When we face death, the gospel promises us eternal life in Christ. When we face suffering, the gospel ensures sufferings, but suffering with Christ. What about the need for joy? The gospel delivers joy unspeakable and full of glory only through Jesus Christ. Christian growth, the gospel grows us as we spend time increasing in the knowledge of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What about the trials we face? The gospel promises that our fiery trials will be to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What about when we're rejected? The gospel reminds me of the unconditional love and acceptance I have in Jesus. What about when I'm weak? The gospel declares that when I am weak, Christ is strong. There's no domain of your life, no circumstance you could possibly face, no relationship that you have that the gospel is not the power of God for. Why? Because the gospel is Jesus Christ and he ain't never gonna be enough. Never not gonna be enough. Something like that. You get my drift. He's always enough. He's unmatched. He's unparalleled. Name someone as good and as close to Jesus as you can. You can't do it. So why do you think you can get yourself through this Christian life? I read my Bible this morning. I prayed, that's fantastic. But did you do it in the gospel? 
Did you do it because of the done of the gospel? The fact that, wow, I'm going to sin today. That's discouraging, but it doesn't change anything. That literally before God, I am always his, and he is always mine, and nothing can change that. There is nothing, and no one on this earth as beautiful and glorious as Jesus. There is nothing on this earth more precious, more life-giving than his gospel. I hope you'll stay in the glorious gospel. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.